All three Beards Media podcasts originate from the Gravitate Coworking Studio, sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. Welcome back to In the Side of the Storm, where we talk all things Cyclones. We are coming to you live from the Gravitate Coworking Studios and sponsored by our friends Revelton Distillery out of Osceola, Iowa. I'm Dave Larson here with my Storm Team partner, Marcus Pfizer. How are you, Marcus? Man, they doing better. I've uh, been, been a rough week for, <laughs> you know, the Pfizer household, um, you know, the spell, the... the the new spell of the COVID virus has hit us once more. And, but gratefully, you know, we, we're all coming out of it pretty well. Um, my sister is, is the one that's taking the last, last of the, the sickness. So we got to nurse her back to health. And, and we're just grateful that it wasn't as bad as, as the first time when we all got it. But, you know, 2024, um, a couple of us got it in 2021. 20, so to go a few years without, you know, keeping the kids healthy and everything like that. You know, you can't complain about that, but yeah, feeling a lot better. I I knew something was up last Sunday. You know, when I when I told you guys yeah. I, I wasn't feeling well, and that's the answer. Well, my voice is still scratchy, not from last <clears> week, <throat> but I I come down with something as well. But uh, I've been fortunate; I've not tested positive yet. It's just the reality we live in, right? Like you said, yeah. 2024, four mm-hmm. years in. It's just you're going to come down with something. It's it's January, February. Yeah, we, we're we're so deep in with with herd immu- immunity and all of that stuff and the different virus, the different vaccines and yada 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 that's going on. So we we have to understand that now it, it's going to be looked at more because we understand it more, and so it's more of a of a harder cold. You know, it, it's going to be with us for the rest of our lifetime. We know for sure. I mean. You know, it's a common cold has been around for so long. This is pretty much going to be here for the rest of our lifetime as well. So we just got to got to deal with it. Make sure we, you know, stay as, as hydrated and, you know, vitamins and all of that as much as we can. And just, you know, hope, hope it misses. And if it doesn't, you know, just nurture yourself back to health. And you're the capital of all things, <laughs> probably football for the next week. But before we jump right. into football, we had some incredible games yesterday. The nice. women first with a heartbreaker. They lost to UCF in Central Florida. I watched that, you know, sitting at home, not feeling well. I had nothing to do but watch basketball. And that was a tough one to watch. I, I don't know if you caught wind of that game, but <clears throat> Central Florida is not a good basketball team. We went down there and just really laid a goose egg, losing 71 to 66. 
the women uh, play, they, they actually have a similar path to what we had uh, the men play last week. So they have no game on Wednesday, but then come back, play at home against uh, first place Oklahoma at 6 p.m. Uh, at Hilton on Saturday, on this upcoming Saturday. The men game, I think a lot of us watched last night. There's a bunch of Twitter activity and texting going on. And uh, we are we saw our friend Chris Williams do this, and now he's become a meme. Uh, sorry about that, Chris. Um, we saw Scott Drew, uh, Baylor coach Scott Drew, with his first ejection. He's been there for 21 seasons, and he was ejected out of his first basketball game uh, last night as well. Um ended up being a lot closer of a game than many of us expected. Iowa State uh, at one time was down, I think, 14, 15 points. We thought it was over. That 2-3 zone seemed to really be giving us fits. We did not shoot well at all, did not attack that zone like you need to be able to do. Um, Any takeaways? Let's first talk about that first half. Any takeaways that you saw in that first half against Baylor? Well, this zone did give us a lot of problems, um, you know, on the offensive end. But at the same time, we weren't guarding our best either um, on the defensive end. And and when you get those two, you know, going hand-to-hand on the road in the Big Big 12 is always going to be a tough uh, uphill battle. Um, We got lucky, you know. I don't know what happened with that whistle and, you know, Coach Drew and that whole situation or whatever, but – you know, we had we had a what a 16-2 turnaround and then 20 whatever turnaround. And you know, we, we got some momentum and then we, we were able to to hold it a lot closer than we had been in the first half. But you know, when you when you're not guarding anyone, you really, really have to guard in the Big 12, especially on the road. Um men or women, like you said, you know, our women went down to UCF and just, you know, just felt like it was just a totally different game than what they're uh, accustomed to playing, you know, it's just it's just playing on the road in the Big Twelve. No matter what, what the team is, you have to be really, really focused, and uh, you got to stop somebody. Well, I was really surprised in that first half. Uh, Tamit Lipsy didn't shoot a single shot in the first half. I I found that exceptionally surprising. Trey King, I don't think he played his very well in that first half. Um, if it weren't for Keyshawn Gilbert, who shot that long. Mm-hmm three at the end of the the end of the half we were down by 15 with not a lot of hope yeah i mean it's tough to it's tough to play down in waco you know and it's it is real tough to win as well um but but again it's home games for whatever team in the big 12 and you know just as good as our fans is they're going to have good fans that's coming out to support them their teams are going to be that tough grinded tough-nosed team, um, and we just didn't play well at all in the first half. Um, why Taman didn't shoot, I, I, I have no idea. Um, that definitely has never happened in my career. Uh, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't going to happen, if it wasn't going to happen in the first couple of minutes, it definitely was going to happen in the first half. But, um, you know, we, we were able to rebound and, you know, just wasn't able to pull out a close one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we went on a 20, 20-0 run. Uh Sky Drew got kicked out for the first game ever. Um, at one point, we were up five yeah. to seven, and I saw some chatter on Twitter about the referees are letting Iowa State win. I thought that has never happened. That cannot be right. possible that the referees on our Iowa State side, whether it's football or basketball, we've never seen that happen. And right. but sure enough, we were up. Uh, I, I really, the, 
the refereeing, and I saw that the um, Baylor athletic director came out with a comment after the game. He was obviously disappointed, even though they won. I, I knew something was up because very early in the game, and I don't remember the circumstances, and I wish I would have written it down at the time, but the referees kept going and looking at replay for some basic pieces of the game. And I cannot remember the circumstances behind it. And I thought this is going to be a, one of those wacky games in Waco. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened at the end of the game. And Marcus, I want to get your insight on this one. We, we started to talk about it a little bit before the show started, but mm-hmm. the last play of the game inbounds pass to Momchilovich and he turned and we thought, we had a, a long three-pointer that was a game winner. They did not allow for the basket to count, which it, well, it didn't count, I, and I, that was very clear to me. But instead of having two seconds left to be able to shoot that, we had 1.2, right? Right, can, right. Can you explain why you think that happened? Well, I mean, maybe the rules are different. Um, again, I was in college 25-plus years ago playing. Um, but I know in the NBA there there are times and instances, if not every game, that there's one referee that's designated that has you know they have that box on their on their hip that controls the clock in in the late game situations like that when you're trying to get the ball in where when there's there's known fouls that's going to happen because you want to preserve every little point of the of a second that you can because I mean obviously we just proven you know a little bit more time would have been beneficial to us. So I don't know if it's a different thing in NCAA. I don't know if they once had it and got away from it, but had that been the case, you know, like I said, you know, the ball went out of bounds or we're taking the ball out. You can see that referee is watching that action and he can stop the clock and start the clock on his timing. Didn't something occur where they started the clock too fast and then they had to go back and review it. Reset the clock. They had to reset the clock. Right. Yes. Right. Because because now now you have the score table that's controlling the clock. And, you know, the angles are different. You can't really see. So with the referee having that, you know, communication box on his hip, you know, if you watch the NBA, you will see one referee has his hand on his hip. And that's them taking the ball out. And as soon as the ball is touched, they click it and the clock starts. And then when, when that foul comes, they click it right then and there to try to, you know, preserve as much time as possible. So are you saying that the referee is the one that starts the clock and ends the clock, or is it someone at the scores table? Well, well, they're both. Both. But there's been times where I remember in the the NBA, and and again, I don't know if that's something that's in NCAA or not, or, you know, maybe we we were up on everybody at the end of the game, so we had to deal with it in college. But um, um, I, I remember in the NBA that they would, have that device that started just in those little late game short and like they don't do it the whole entire game but in those instances right there like you want to preserve because because in the nba like the game could be pretty much out of reach and if you know it's 0.2 seconds left on the clock and you know they drop the ball and the shot clock stops or whatever they will literally people will be all on the floor they will literally get you off the floor and make yep. you take that ball out and throw it in because you never know what crazy, wacky thing that can happen and the outcome of that. And we had something wacky that happened at the end of the game, but unfortunately it didn't count for us. Well, yeah, instead of having two seconds or even 1.5, literally yeah, we 1.5 would have. a tenth of yep. a second, maybe mm-hmm. two tenths, but it was that slim a margin by mm-hmm. the time that Momchilovich released that ball. And it would have been right. the shot of ages that would have made 
Milan Mancilovic, a legend in cyclone for, lore. For me, for me, I rather that shot not even go in then because we're dealing with this like right now. Like had he dunked it off the backboard and be like, oh well. But that going in and us knowing and like, damn, a point one, a tenth of a second, two tenths of a second, three tenths of a second, more on the clock, we would have got that victory. But you know, it is what it is. So the Cyclones fall to five and three in conference play. Still very much in the thick of things. One game out um, again. Uh, Ku and in, in Houston are the league leaders at this point. Uh, we've got ten games left in the conference. Uh, Wednesday night play uh, at Texas. Excuse me. Tuesday night we're playing at Texas. That should be a big game there. Um, and then Saturday at home against TCU, a one o'clock tip. That'll be an interesting game Saturday because. Down there, that was the TCU game against Jamie Dixon that I think that they're looking forward to. They're going to be wanting to come up here to yeah. uh, have some revenge against us. So should be another interesting week against some Texas teams. Yeah, TCU is playing well. Um, they're definitely going to come in with a with a chip on their shoulder. We know how great of a coach Coach Dixon is. He's definitely having those guys, you know, focus on the things that they didn't do well. All of the turnovers – you know, we were able to make them have uh, that game on the road in the first half. It's something that they're definitely focusing on. And, you know, anytime, like I said last week, we play these Texas teams, man, it's really, really tough. And we know going down to Austin, you know, Tyrese Hunter is definitely going to, you know, be up for seeing his formal team. Um, it's going to be a dogfight without a doubt. You know, coming off this Baylor game, you know, hopefully the guys are, are going to be focused too do what they got to do to, to remain in the top. Um, we're right there in the hunt and we're right where we, where we need to be and want to be. So the, with the two wins, the big wins against Kansas and Houston, you know, that has us sitting with a lot of confidence, but we just got to, you know, finish it, finish out strong with the rest of the games that we have coming up next. So take us inside the <laughs> locker room at this point. Do you think that that loss at Baylor loss does more for the team? That's or right. does it hurt the? Uh, does it hurt more because you feel like you you could have won that one? No, I, th I think it does more. Um, you know, I, we we had a great run um, my last year, but losing to Oklahoma the way we did uh, in a triple overtime, and then losing to um, Colorado, you know, with Jockway Walls just going berserk in in overtime, you know that. Those were games that we knew we played perfect. Sometimes it's just not going to happen. So when it doesn't happen, you know, although you you must rather have that win, it makes you stronger as a team to know that as good as we played, as strong as we played, as tough as we played, we still didn't come out with the win. So there's another level we need to kick it into. We need to kick it up a notch. And so you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about more victories. I don't think it's a more victory or more loss, anything like that. But that's one of those ones that, you know, I, I know Coach Coach uh, Oz is kind of like, yeah, we kind of needed that. You know, we, we we have been playing well, knocked off, you know, two of the biggest teams in, in the conference so far. To lose that one real close like that, everyone sees from inside what I could have done better. Played terrible in the first half, plays better in the second half. We almost came out with it at the end, but not to not to get it, you really reflect inside to yourself to, to knowing we're right there. We just got to kick it up a little bit. 
Well said. So uh, before we pivot over here to some football talk and hearing a word from Revelton, uh, just a note here, Bridget Carlson, former uh, Iowa State basketball player, signed a two-year deal with the Minnesota Lynx out of the WNBA. So nice. she returns Congrats. to the court and uh, they will play. And that's a big deal to get a two-year contract out of the WNBA. So good for her. They play their first game at Seattle in, uh, on May 14th and then a return trip, their home game, if you can make it up to Minneapolis against the Storm as well on uh, Friday, May 17th. So good, good for Bridget Carlton, good for the Iowa State congrats, women's Congrats, congrats. See some of that success there uh, taking shape. And, and certainly we may see some other signings. Uh, hopefully we see Ashley Jones on the sideline of the WNBA this season too. Uh, I think she's currently in Europe. Uh, playing overseas and uh, hoping for her uh, name to be called by a WNBA team. So let's take a quick break, hear from a, a word from our sponsors. Why take the best corn in the world and make it into fuel when you could make it into whiskey? That's the question that launched Revelton, Iowa's most visible and fastest growing distillery. Owners Rob and Christy Taylor embrace the grain to glass philosophy sourcing ingredients locally, and overseeing on-premises production and bottling at their facility in Osceola. One sip, and you'll agree that Revelton's handcrafted whiskeys, gins, and vodkas are the best you've ever tasted. And with the launch of their rye whiskey, made with 100% Iowa-grown rye and corn, and their new bourbon coming soon, there's more Revelton to love than ever. Iowa's own Revelton Distillery. RevelTonDistillery.com. The great thing about working from home is working from home. The worst thing is working from home, especially for face-to-face -face collaborations with customers and coworkers. And let's face it, coffee shop meetings are neither private nor professional. So skip the trip to Starbs and investigate Gravitate co-working space. For more than 10 years, Gravitate has provided large and small office and conference spaces, perfect for hosting meetings, workshops, or other events, as well as private phone booths for confidential conversations. Plus, all spaces include secure fiber internet, free coffee, and access to a kitchenette. All you need is your laptop. Gravitate does the rest. And renting space at Gravitate is surprisingly affordable. An hour of office space costs about the same as venti caramel macchiatos and breakfast sandwiches for two. Daily and monthly rates are also available with no long-term commitment. Learn more at GravitateCoworking.com. That's GravitateCoworking.com. All right, thank you to our sponsors, Gravitate and Revelton. Tonight, just because I'm trying to get over whatever I have, I am not enjoying my Revelton. So, uh, my same year. Same year. We're in sad uh, shape tonight. I just, I just asked the missus to bring me another another water. I'm just, man, I got to hydrate. <laughs> I can't That's do it right. <laughs> So you got a big week in your neck of the woods there. The Super Bowl's come to Las Vegas. Uh, you're telling us that you got caught in traffic yeah. with the presidential motorcade and the Kansas City Chiefs, and a lot of police were uh, coming down the highway as you were, and you got a little nervous. <laughs> Yeah, just kind of, it was weird, um, you know, them sitting on the side of the, the freeway. The lights were on, but they weren't flashing, you know, and it was more than one. So I was like, okay, so that has to mean something. Maybe when I get home, I can look it up. Uh, then when you got off on off the off-ramps to the, you know, the main street to get off the freeway, and they, you know, I live in Henderson. The Henderson police had those streets blocked off and coned off. And I'm like, what in the 
heck is going on? Then I thought to myself, well, okay, well, the Super Bowl, the guys are supposed to be coming in, but I'm thinking, okay, I'm a pro athlete. I know I never played in a championship or anything like that, but these pro athletes, they, you know, and then I got the the notification then said that President Biden had flown in too. I said, well, that makes more sense, <laughs> hopefully. But I, I know the guys, the guys are playing in one of the most important games of the year and everything like that, but the game is not until next Sunday. So our press credentials apparently were denied because I, I haven't <laughs> received any flight information, any hotel information. Uh, I did look up some Super Bowl ticket prices and for Super Bowl 58, any uh, guesses on what the average ticket prices are, Marcus? The average? The average price. I would probably say at least 5500 Well, you uh, hold on to your seat here. So when I looked this, it up earlier this, this Vegas, week. So, this yeah. is Vegas, so it's probably probably at least a third higher than that, probably seven or eight grand. So the average price on secondary market was 10500 Wow. The cheapest, the cheapest Jeez. I could find. This is with C, with uh, fees was eighty one hundred, with something called wow. Tick Pick. I I don't know who that is. Seat Geek was ninety five sixty, and Ticketmaster was eighty seven ten. They uh, they said that like like the parking is like three fifty or something like that. So if you're going to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to find a way to sneak in like the kids used to do back in the day. I will watch it. Right on my 55-inch TV, legs crossed, eating something, and enjoying my couch. And so as I'm home this weekend with really nothing to do, I'm, I'm scrolling through, and I found a, a family that was staying at the same hotel that the 49ers were staying at. And oh, apparently, right. that's a very short trip for you. Yeah, yeah. Lake Las Vegas is, isn't far at all. Matter of fact, it's, you know, the the – Lake Mead, it takes you to Lake Las Vegas as an exit from my house. So it's not far at all. And then maybe again, that's why, you know, they had so much of it blocked off because that's where they were heading. But I never saw any buses or anything like that for the teams. I was just, you know, just making sure that that the, you know, 85, 90 miles per hour I was doing on the freeway wasn't, wasn't getting noticed. <laughs> so, so I noticed, before, we, yeah. before we start talking about our friend Brock Purdy, you know, the Super Bowl's renowned for having all sorts of weird stuff happening the week of the Super Bowl, whether it's hmm. heaven forbid shootings or late nights out with extracurricular activities or the very first Super Bowl. I think one of the Green Bay wide receivers was out the night before and stumbled in just in time for the game. Vince Lombardi benched him for the first half before he came out and, and caught a touchdown pass. So. <laughs> I'm really curious how this is going to work in a city like Las Las Vegas that's 24/7. Well, so so if the guys are, are staying out at, at Lake Las Vegas, that's about a 12 to 14 mile ride from downtown the the strip. Maybe a little bit farther, maybe about 25 miles. So maybe maybe that was, you know, the plan to try to um, it's really nice out there. It's a lake out there. It's a resort, everything like that. I'm not sure where the guys are going to be practicing. Maybe at Sam Boyd. Maybe they get to go to a Legion. Maybe they go to the Raiders practice facility that's over here in Henderson as well. But I, I would think that they would try to keep them as far away from the strip as possible. I mean, they understand everything that's going on. Um, there's too much down there to get into, and there's so much 
down there to get into after the game is over, if you're the victor or not. So I think they I think they're going to be more focused on what they got to do and uh, you know try to do the best they can to keep everyone you know that 25 miles away. So a week from now, we'll be in the midst of watching it. We'll probably be in about the third quarter, late in the third quarter, uh, a week from now. And um, interesting news this week, Brock Purdy signed a uh, sponsorship uh, agreement with Toyota, who is now nice. a relationship with the NFL. Chris, I think Chris Shipley's on, and um, you've got uh, a video with Brock Purdy and his new 2024 Toyota Sequoia. Oh, I'm jealous. The secret to being in the right place at the right time, it's never taking what got you here for granted. Rising to every moment, meeting every challenge, giving your best, then giving some more. Because there is no best, only better. Proud partner of the San Francisco 49ers and forever favorite, Toyota. Let's go play. How cool is it that we have an Iowa State quarterback, much less any player, but we've not been exactly known as quarterback university. Brock Purdy starting in the NFL and assign a major endorsement deal like that with Toyota. How cool is that? Extremely cool. Um, I said I said last year, not only was he going to be the starter, as as good as that team was, I felt like he was going to lead them to the Super Bowl. Lo, lo and behold, that's where we are. But um, definitely jealous um, that Sequoia is, is definitely, you know, the top of the list of a vehicle I would want. Got a price tag of about $85.90 right now, so that's a little too rich. Rich for my retired NBA, you know, salary right now. So, um, but this is really, really nice for for him to to garner that. Uh, you know, he's been playing well as all deserves, and you know, I'm looking forward to him playing well. You know, the game just coming on Sunday. So I look back, and there's been a lot of quarterbacks that are named MVP. So out of the 58 Super Bowls, and I think that there's been some duplication where you've got two co MVPs. 32 quarterbacks have been named Super Bowl MVP, followed by eight wide receivers, seven running backs, just 11 defensive players, and one kick returner who was Desmond Howard uh, with the Packers. So if Brock Purdy is named one of the Super Bowl MVPs, wouldn't that be something? That would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. But there's no surprise to us, you know, um, you know, Cyclones is, is really no surprise to us. You know, uh, he's he's taking on a lot of flack for whatever reason. Um, he's a football player. That's the most important thing. He's a football player who plays his position, who does what the coach wants him to do, um, does what the team needs him to do, and he wins ball games. And what else are you supposed to su- supposed to expect or ask for from the kid? Like he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's playing in the freaking Super Bowl. Come on now. Now, if he's named the Super Bowl MVP, does he not become the greatest, not just the Iowa State player of NFL history, but mm-hmm. doesn't he move ahead of all other Iowa University athletes that have played in the NBA or NFL? Doesn't he become the number one player in NFL history of any Iowa college? I mean, what else can you say? I mean, like, that's arguably the most important position 
in the game of football. We know that, you know, all the other positions are important, but we know quarterback is the quarterback. And um, it's going to be a tall task, you know, going against that guy on the other side because he's really good and can really play. And he's really going to have to up his level of play to uh, compete, which we feel like he's going to be able to do because, you know, those type games brings out the best in Brock Purdy. Um, but without a doubt, you know, he's as, – as we begin to get better and better and better in our uh, student-athletes and sports and things like that, you know, it's time out for people to stop thinking that we can produce, you know, athletes on a high level to be in positions like this. You know, he was blessed enough to, you know, as they say, be Mr. Irrelevant, but he had to earn his job. Like, and there was some quarterbacks that was there, and he was, what, the third or fourth on the depth chart, and now he's the starter. So give him the respect that he deserves, and let's go from there. Well, I saw that the Iowa State football team picked up a, a commit from Algona this week that, um, he was looking at Texas A&M as one of those schools highly regarded and chose Iowa State partially because of Brock Purdy and what he's seen out of Brock Purdy. And ironically, Texas A&M had also uh, recruited and offered, made a uh, scholarship offer to Brock Purdy. And, and here we sit today with, with Brock in the Super Bowl, and we've got more athletes that are coming in that have seen that, that success. So that that's really exciting for this program. Yeah, um, you know, being able to watch, you know, as a young guy, say the OGs in front of you have success, make you want to be a part of that. I've told the story all the time. You know, Kenny Pratt, Kelvin Cato, Sean Bankhead, Dedrick Willoughby, rest in peace to Dedrick, J.C. Holloway. <clears throat> Those guys made me want to be a part of something at Iowa State. Um especially when they beat Kansas in the Big A tournament, you know, that was that was the defining moment for me. And I got a lot of flack in high school. You're a McDonald's All-American, are you going to Iowa State? Then a lot of people were saying Iowa. You know, I had to correct them with that. A lot of people say Ohio State. I had to correct them with that. But I told them, you know, this is going to be something special for me and the rest is history. So, with, you know, the Sage Rose and Phils that we had come through and Seneca Wallace's and all the other – great quarterbacks that we had before Brock Purdy. Brock was able to come in and play phenomenal football, and now he's having the success that he's having in the NFL. It's a no-brainer. Plus, we play in, you know, a tough, tough conference in the Big 12, so it's not like you're not going to be seen getting to get the notoriety that you need if you're trying to move on to the next uh, stage in life, which is the NFL or the NBA, so. It is it's just it going to piss off all the Hawkeye fans if Brock Purdy's named Super Bowl MVP. I, I, I cannot <laughs> wait to see it. That's going to be a fun day for me. I'm I'm really going to be on Twitter heavy on Sunday. <laughs> they love it when I'm on Twitter heavy on Sunday. So there's not a lot we can say really about the Super Bowl. We'll probably take next week off so we can enjoy it and watch it. Um, and we'll come back and talk about the week after. But – uh, the NFL or the, excuse me, the football schedule was released uh, this week as well uh, for the, for next season. As a player, was that something you look forward to just seeing what that schedule looked like? Did you do any uh, forecasting in advance going, Oh, Hey, look, we get these games back to back. Or I wonder what that's going to be like as a player. Is that something you looked at? Um, Once it came out. Yeah. But in the NBA is way more games. You know, so it's, you know, you, we, we talking about this, this, that was during a time where 
there were some times where we had, you know, four games in five days, four and six, you know, five and seven, like games and stuff like that. Like it was a whole lot of games. Like you just, you know, had to get yourself mentally prepared and geared up for it. But football is a little bit different. You know, it's pretty much every Sunday, um, not as many games. And you probably can plan a little bit better with the family, you know, if you want to take them on trips and stuff like that. But for us, it was, you know, everywhere, everywhere. And we just knew. We had a you know shit ton of games all week. So, so the interesting of thing uh, of note, uh, several note notes here. Uh, we have two bye weeks scheduled. We haven't had that. I think we had something similar during the COVID year. Uh, it's the last known memory that I can think of that we had two bye weeks like that. Start off with uh, North Dakota, who that's they're a big. Uh, Division two or subdivision FBS, whatever they're calling it now, uh, powerhouse. I mean, they're usually ranked in the top one or two. Really good. Then we go to Iowa the following game, have our first bye week before we play Arkansas State. Um, and I say that with a smile. I, I hope that doesn't trip us up at all. But then we start the 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 southern trip. We we go at Houston. See Baylor at home. We go out to Morgantown, uh, West Virginia, who had a pretty good year this year. They they seem to uh, have turned things around. So that, that looks to me to be a tougher game. Um, and then we play Central Florida at home. I, I'm actually looking forward to If you're talking about all the home games next year, I, I think that, that home game against UCF is one that I've got marked that I, I'm really looking forward to um, in, in addition to Baylor just because we – uh, our teams so closely resemble one another followed by a bye week again and then a home game against Texas Tech at Kansas um, although that's not really at Kansas um, Marcus you may not have heard but Kansas is going through a stadium renovation so uh, next year we get to play Kansas at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City I have oh, a feeling wow. that there's going to be more Cyclone fans in Arrowhead than there are going to be <laughs> Kansas fans there. Um, Along with Malachi Hervey. Well, th- won't that be his uh, senior year in high school, though? Oh, is he? Oh, oh, I thought he was a senior. Oh, I Maybe thought he was a senior this year. Um, so then I thought next year he's going to be there. Cincinnati at Utah, who is quick becoming perhaps the most hated fan base in the Big 12. Uh, and then we come back and, and, and play in Kansas State. And uh, when there was a schedule release on Twitter, the uh, Iowa State Athletics Department put out sort of a game by game. And uh, one of the games, uh, the, the one game at Morgantown, it shows Rocco Beck calling his dad up and asking uh, his dad, hey, who are you going to be cheering for when we go out to Morgantown? And, and, and Rocco's dad turns to camera and says, go Cyclones. Uh, and then in preparation for the Kansas state game, uh, it, all you can see is a, a aerial view of Abu Sama running in the snow, uh, on cyclone or on, uh, in Jack Trice stadium in the snow, getting practice time in, uh, for a return trip of the Kansas state Wildcats to, uh, Iowa state. So that, that was a fun little piece that the Iowa state football team put together in preparation for the schedule release. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about you know the UCF and the Cincinnati games. Like they've they've had some good years the last couple of years. We really don't know you know how to prepare for them yet. So you know those are the two games that I'm I'm really excited to see how we fare against those teams and and Houston as well. 
you know, they definitely have some tough teams that they've been putting out on the field out there. So um, not to say we're overlooking the other guys, but what I'm, I'm curious to see how they, they're going to fare in the Big 12 and, you know, how we're going to do against them. Yeah, it should be a, a good season. You know, I think that we, we've kind of known who this who we were going to be playing. The question is just the order and what that was going to look like. Right. Um, if memory serves me, and Chris, I don't know if you have it there, but I was going through my Twitter timeline to see uh, what I had posted. But um, there's a couple of games where I'm not really happy about that. Um, here, here we go here. We've got two of those games where – it's going to really be Thanksgiving break. Um, the first game where I think it's the Friday before Thanksgiving and, you know, or excuse me, the Saturday before Thanksgiving and, you know, students are taken off. I'm concerned about that game. And then there's the following uh, two weeks later when just as students are coming back from break, I don't know that they'll all be making it back in time, but if anyone could, put butts in those seats. It's Jamie Pollard. You know, he has, he does a, a really good job about uh, making sure that the stadiums are filled and I'm sure that he'll, he'll figure out a way to, to, to make sure that we've got good attendance there. Um, another comment. Uh, there were some games that are on the schedule that were a Thursday, Friday, Saturday flex as a fan. I can appreciate not having that because I like to know, it's a Saturday game. I may not know the time yet, but I hate that. Well, it could be flexed into a Thursday uh, primetime game, or we could play on Saturday, or we could be a Friday night game. I, I just That's got to be frustrating as a fan to be able to not know what your schedule is going to look like um, until even a couple of weeks before that, that, uh, that game takes shape. So should be an interesting season for us to, uh, for next year, football season. We have a lot to be excited about with uh, coming off the heels of the Super Bowl and, and Brock Purdy's appearance in there. So do we play down at Arizona this next year? We have no Arizona games uh, this Arizona. year. I think that comes up. You know, they'll, they'll rotate the schedule every year a little bit, um, and I'm not quite certain. One thing I was a little surprised at is – we were told that we would have a protected rival and we all thought it made the most sense to be Kansas state. Well, of course, Kansas state and Kansas has to be protected. And I understand that. Um, So this year for 2023, it was BYU. And we all thought that makes no sense. BYU to be a protected rival. Well, now moving forward, I would assume BYU, Utah would be paired together. The Arizona schools would be paired together. Frankly, I, I don't know who our protected rival is at this point, or even if yeah. that exists. Yeah, that's 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 going to be weird. <clears throat> it's a new reality. I'm going to miss having the opportunity. Uh, that was the one thing that I think the Big 12 had that the other conferences didn't, that we had a chance to play one another. You really did have a true champion. Even though at the end we had a championship game, everyone had a chance to play one another. And that was so much fun during right, 2020 right. when Iowa State was one of the top two teams. We got to prove it on the field every single week. I'm going to miss that part uh, of the Big 12. Yeah. Um, you know, with the realignment and adding of the schools and things like that, we definitely understand what it's about. But, 
you know, like you said, we're going to miss the old days of, of understanding and knowing who we got to go through and considering yourself the outright champion at the end of the day. But, you know, we, we, we're welcoming the new schools. There's definitely, you know, bigger opportunities for uh, the kids to be able to perform and, and have success in other areas and other uh, states and things like that. But, you know, that time, I guess, for now is gone. And I, and I did my find my other note there. It's the, the one game I'm a little bit – if you could say, hey, what game concerns you the most? It's the game uh, while we get a chance to go – to Arrowhead, and I truly believe Cycle Nation will show up. They always have when we played a couple of games against Kansas State. Of course, the Eddie Robinson kickoff classic against Florida State, the infamous Seneca was in game. That was packed with Iowa State uh, fans. But Kansas will be coming off of a bye week in preparation for Iowa State. I don't like that part of the schedule at all. That, that game makes me nervous. Well, I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, we were playing great at that time. Um, hopefully they're, you know, a little little more relaxed than, than normal. And, you know, being able to play there ahead is going to be a, a di- different atmosphere. Well, like you said, you know, it's kind of kind of be like Hilton South when we packed down it for the Big 12 basketball tournaments and things like that. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to keep my eye on that game myself, you know, that. That may be one that I may try to circle on the calendar and you know take a flight out to. That that would be a short flight. I say we get a uh, <laughs> Revelton road trip going. While we're <laughs> and it's like we're in college again. It's a bunch of people in one room sleeping on floors, halfway we, on a couch. We'll get it probably, probably going to be bedtime 1030 to 11 o'clock instead of when we were in college up all night. I don't know about you. My bedtime is about nine o'clock now. So. <laughs> I wish. I wish my eight-year-old busts in my door too much at night. It's supposed to be nine o'clock. Her bedtime is supposed to be nine thirty, but they never listen. They it, they never listen. Never listen. Never listen. <laughs> All right. Well, Marcus, it's been good seeing you, Brent. Uh, we yep. hope to see you back. He he was uh, had some other commitments tonight. We. Uh, Hope to see him here in another couple weeks and big, big, big game next weekend. Iowa State turnout, cheer on the our our Cyclone Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl again uh, as the 49ers take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that's another edition of In the Side of the Storm. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again in two weeks.